As a pastor, it was my desire to one day go to the Holy Land. And uh, as I stand here today, I'm, I'm amazed that I've had the opportunity now to make three trips to the Holy Land. Um, and every time I go, there's something else that reaches into my life as I'm standing in the places where the Bible story unfolded. I remember on the first trip, probably um, one of the most powerful moments for me was when we were um, at Gethsemane. And remembering that it was there that Jesus prayed that if there was any way possible that the cup would pass from him, that he would not have to go to the cross. And yet, because of his great love for the Father and his great love for all of mankind, he gave himself, he surrendered himself to go to the cross. And he said, not my will, but your will be done. And I, as long as I have presence of mind, I will remember when I knelt there by the rock that is supposed to be the place where he prayed, um, and I reached through the barrier and laid my hand on that rock, and I said, Lord, thank you so much for choosing us, for putting yourself aside, for offering your blood that we might have forgiveness. Today I'm going to preach from Matthew, the 26th chapter, and it's in that chapter that we're told about the Garden of Gethsemane moment in the life of Jesus. And as that passage winds up, Jesus comes from the place of prayer out to where he had left his disciples, and he said, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners, Rise, let us go, here comes my betrayer. And then the next passage has to do with the actual arrest of Jesus. And so let me share that with you beginning with verse 47 in Matthew 26. Listen to this story. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. 
Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of the Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat with you in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place, that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Let's pray. Lord, here we are again on another Sunday morning, opening your word, praying, Lord, that you would bring us to that truth that you have for us today. We are many different people who've had a lot of different things going on in our lives all this week and things facing us in the week to come. And yet, Lord, you will reach into this moment, into this gathering, and you will speak to each one of us as though it were a one-on-one conversation. Lord, say to me, say to us what it is that you have to say to us from this passage of Scripture that will help us to embrace this moment and understand that in the scheme of things, this is to be numbered as an eternal moment, a time when we turn from the concerns of of this life to the truths that frame the eternity that waits for us. Help us to know, Lord, that you have a plan for us, just as you had a plan for Jesus. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, as best as we can, as best as we know how, to surrender ourselves to that plan that you have for us. Lord, if there's anyone here today who has not had the opportunity to step into the light of your presence and to open themselves completely to you, I pray that you would allow that to happen as we're here. Thank you for this story. Use it for your glory, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody in this room at one time or another, at some level or another, has faced betrayal. It's one of the most painful things that I think um, we can be faced with in this life. At least it ranks very high in the order, if you will, of the things that leave us stung and hurt in life. And particularly when that betrayal happens in the context of a close friendship, to have someone that you have known as, as a dear friend, to have that person in a moment of time to decide for themselves in such a fashion that to, to decide for themselves means they have to betray you, it's a hurtful thing. It's a hurtful thing. It's hard to move beyond. It's something that we carry with us for, for quite some time after the betrayal. Um, it's the sort of thing that you think about it and you wonder, is there anything that, that could have happened differently? Is there anything that I could have done to, to uh, keep that moment from, of betrayal from happening in my experience? And it's the sort of thing that you not only think about when you're awake, it's the, 
the things that, that nightmares are made of. Am I right? Things that wake you up in the night. Things that you labor over and you pray over. Jesus knows what's coming. Before he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was in the upper room with his followers. And when they were there at the supper table, he said to them, uh, one of you here is going to betray me. One of the disciples leaned over and said, Lord, is it me? And it was, a whisp it was in whisper tones. It wasn't an, uh, an announcement kind of a conversation. It was a very private, Lord, is it me? And Jesus very quietly said, the one with whom I dip bread is the one. And he was dipping bread at that moment with Judas Iscariot. Incredible thing about God's love, even though he knew in that upper room that Judas was the one who in, in a matter of hours would betray him with a kiss in the Garden of Gethsemane, even though Jesus knew that, he washed the feet of Judas. That's love, y'all. That's, that's love personified, lived out in our witness that we might understand how deeply God is committed to our well-being. Judas walks right up to Jesus and betrays him with that, that kiss, that fateful kiss. We know from other uh, gospel entries that it's Peter who drew the sword. And it was Malchus's ear that he cut off. And we also know from the other report that Jesus immediately took the ear of that servant of the high priest and reattached it. Amazing, amazing stuff. But here he says, put the sword away. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. Jesus, even in that moment, was teaching them that there are some things that demand our loving surrender. And Jesus understood as all of this is unfolding, and while the disciples could not possibly have the perspective that Jesus had in that moment, Jesus understood in that moment that everything that was happening had been planned out by God. It is not a trite thing when we say to each other and remind one another, Barbara does this quite often with me, thank you. It means a lot, it really does. She'll pass me in the hallway of the church and she says, God has a plan. It has become a, a, a cherished exchange, Barbara. I want you to know that because it, it is that reminder to me that regardless of how life looks, regardless of how the drama is unfolding, regardless of, of the betrayals and, 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 and the encouragement and all the, the mix of life, regardless of how it's all coming together, the reality is God has a plan for each and every one of us. I'm not saying that life is uh, like a puppet stage where, where God's pulling the strings and every single thing that happens. I'm, I have some Arminian in me, okay? I believe in the th free will agency of man. I, I believe that we have choices. I, I believe that there are things that we can do to allow God's will to, to be furthered in our experience, and there are things that we can do to thwart the plan of God in our lives. So I'm, I, I believe that. I believe in, the, in, in, in a choice. But having said that, on any given day, God is at work in our lives in such a way that he is bringing together his eternal plan. And know this, what God has spoken will be. There will come a time when that trumpet sounds that we will understand 
better than we have been able to understand at any other time that everything is moving toward that which God um, has planned in his redemptive love for mankind. There will be those who are cut off because it has been their choice to refuse the redemption that has been offered. But the truth is, God is at work on any given day, even in the midst of rebellion, even in the midst of betrayal, even in the midst of things that we can't quite put together. And we, when we can't put it together, the age-old question of humanity is, how can God allow something like that to happen? Oh, how I wish we could answer those questions. But some of those questions are beyond resolution for us in this time. But Jesus says to his followers who are there in this moment, as it's, and it, y'all, it's happening so quickly. Um, it, it all happens so quickly, they, they're left aghast, wondering, and we've all had these moments, what just happened? What in the world just took place? But Jesus reminds them, don't you understand that I have given myself to this moment? I have given myself to what's coming because of God's great love for humanity. Don't you know, Jesus said, that if I wanted to, I could call for legions of angels. And the number he uses could exceed 72,000 angels. Don't you know that, that if I wanted to stop what's happening right now, I could call upon the Father and He would send forth His angelic warriors and this would be thwarted. But, I'm not going to do that, Jesus said, because in this very moment, the prophets are being fulfilled. What God has spoken about the salvation that he is offering, it's unfolding right now in, in your experience. And so again, it's never trite to say, God has a plan. And I think, I think all of us should maybe follow in, in Barbara's footsteps and, and remind each other from time to time, just as we're moving through life, God has a plan. Which is to say, God has his hand on you. God has his hand on this moment. God's going to bring us through. There are tears in the night, the psalmist said, but joy comes in the morning. In Lamentations, the word says, your mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God is working in our lives. We've suffered some losses. We've suffered some things that we're not able to answer, but sometimes things happen that we wish hadn't happened, that ultimately will become a part of the goodness of what God is working out in our lives. But sometimes I rise up against his goodness, do you? Sometimes I storm away from a moment, angry, disappointed, almost to the point like the old prophet Elijah Want to just go hide away and say, Lord, don't you even care? I was only, Elijah said, I was only doing what you would have me to do, and now that evil woman Jezebel is out to take my life. I, I just as well lay down and die. But then something happens, and we come to understand 
that even the difficulties of life are serving his purposes in such a way that we walk away from even the hurtful things and say, God is good all the time. Even when I don't understand him, God is good. Even when I would counsel him to do otherwise, like, like Job did at one point, even in those times, he's, he's good. He's loving. He has a plan. Faith means we trust the hand of the one who loves us even when we don't understand what his hand is given to in the moment. Well, look at the story. The very end of the passage, it says, and the disciples all fled. As far as they were concerned, it's over. It was a good run, but it's done now. Because not only did they come to arrest him, but he submitted himself to the arrest. They had some different ideas about what should play out. Their minds were given more to the political than the spiritual. They were sure that Jesus had come to establish his kingdom in such a way that, that those who had been bringing suffering and taxation to their lives would be put in their place. But then when Jesus submitted himself to the hands of the very ones who had dealt out such oppression to the Jewish nation, they thought, what's the use? And they fled. Eventually, they were locked away. Very quickly, after the, the death and burial of Jesus, they were locked away, hiding from the authorities for fear of their lives. I pray what happened for them would happen for us from time to time in this life. One night while they were locked away, Jesus just walked right into the room without opening a door, without anyone having to give him entrance. He just walked right into the midst of them. And what did he say? Peace unto you. What was he saying? God has a plan. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is not us always having our way, our say. Peace is not being delivered from betrayal. Peace is not the absence of, of conflict no matter what. Yes, we're called to be peacemakers. But we're not called to be those people who think that peace means the Sea of Galilee is always calm like a mirror. The peace God brings to us is framed in, in some very familiar words in Romans 8. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Emma is our 13-year-old Down Syndrome granddaughter. If you've been going to church here for a week, you know her. You know about her anyway, because I, I talk about her all the time. Um, she started middle school this week. 
Down syndrome at middle school. She owned the elementary school where she went. I mean, she, she owned that school, okay? When the principal would see her wandering the hallways, she would ask, Emma, what do you need? Can I help you? <laughs> um, so when she went to middle school, we were concerned, how is she going to exist in that environment? Because she has been the queen at Carver Elementary in Florence, but now she's going to more middle school, and that's a big school, and it's a different environment and different expectations, different rules. And um, Mama has prayed, my wife has prayed and prayed and prayed for Emma. I've prayed for Emma, but I also have prayed for Mama because I'm like, you, you got to get over her going to middle school. She's there. And so Christy picks Emma up. Daddy drops her off. Matthew drops her off each morning. Christy picks her up each afternoon. Friday afternoon, she picked Emma up, and she said, Well, Emma, how is your day? And she said, I had a great day, but I'm sad. Well, why are you sad? She's thinking, oh, no, something happened. I'm sad because I can't come to school tomorrow. <laughs> What am I I'm saying, when Emma was born with Down syndrome, I'm not going to lie, we were devastated. She has become God's special gift to our lives. And he's doing things in her and through her and to us through her in such a way that we're like, God, you are good all the time, even we, when we don't understand your plan, you have a plan. I pray that when you're locked away in the fear of some awful thing that's happened in a moment in your life, I pray that, that you will see in that moment when Jesus walks into that room where you've locked yourself away, and that you will understand that even what you don't understand, God is using for your good, and that he loves you completely. I read this psalm this week, and I've read it over and over and over again for some time now, but I came across it again in my devotions this week, and it just once again spoke to my heart. Psalm 90 is actually words that were written by Moses. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. In other words, there's never been a time, God, that we can trace to a moment when you were, were not there. Throughout all the generations of time, you have been the place where we find our dwelling. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Help. It's another way of saying, Lord, help me to enjoy this day. Help me to see this moment. Help me, as life is unfolding, to gain from that moment, be it, in my estimation, negative or positive, good or bad, help me in that moment to gain the insight 
the wisdom that will allow me to trust you no matter what. And then he says, may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. God has a plan. And every day becomes an opportunity for me to embrace the plans he has for me, to trust the plans he has for me, to surrender to the plans that he has for me. Every day. Every day. Every situation. Every joy, every pain. In the light, in the darkness. In a room filled with laughter, in a room filled with sobs and tears. Every moment, every day is an opportunity for me to trust Him with why He's brought me here in the first place. Jesus said, no guys, we're not going to stop this historical moment because the very reason I was sent to this earth is now really beginning to unfold. And what you don't understand now, you will understand in the days to come. And in one of those days to come, the Peter who denied him on the night of his arrest was the Peter I talked about in, in the baptistry who stood before thousands of people and declared, Jesus of Nazareth, the one you crucified, he is God's salvation for you. God has a plan. And I don't know where you are in the unfolding of that plan. But I think the best thing any of us can do today is say, God, help me to see what you want me to see and help me to trust in the places when I cannot see or understand what you're up to. But Lord, sustain me with the truth that you are in control and you have a plan. Lord, you laid this message upon my heart. And here we are, receiving the truth simply declared. Because, Lord, the working out of your plan is not dependent upon our theological arguments. Whatever we think of you, whatever we've come to believe about you, the, the fact remains, Lord, you're at work. And there are things that are being accomplished in these very days that are eternal in nature. So Lord, help us not to fight our way out of the middle of where we are, but help us, Lord, to take stock of what's happening around us and to give ourselves 
redeeming moment that is unfolding in our experience. And Lord, as I speak these words, I realize that even this week as we live our lives, some of what's being said today will find its place in the very happenings of our life, and we will know in that moment, that's why the Lord said that to me Sunday. Whatever's happening in the lives of your people who are gathered here this morning, who are watching online, I pray that we might know that just as Jesus submitted himself to you and walked away from the tomb, that it is in our submitting ourselves to you that we will know that same victory. Use your word in our lives and help us to see what you want us to see that we might trust you more. It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Greatness of